This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here. Uh, we are from Benville, Arkansas, but we are on the road in the great state of Kansas up here in Wichita, Kansas. Let me hear our crowd here from Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> yes, we, uh, this is the first time we've ever done this, doing a podcast with a, a live audience. And so uh, pretty exciting. So uh Anyway, uh, I've, I'm here with our founder, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm just going to ask you a few questions, Rocky. As uh, the people get to know you, wait, we may we may have technical difficulties. Are you, is your mic off there? Yeah. No, it's, oh, it's working. All right, good. All right. Well, Rocky. So, uh, you know, you've written some books, and uh, God inspired you to uh, create this process, which a lot of the people in this audience have been blessed by. But I think we need to back up and say, who's Rocky Fleming? Like, where'd you come from? I mean, how, how, how did you get this great message? What, what's your backstory? Well, uh, I'm an ordinary guy, the first thing, and I'm a Mississippian by birth, and a lot of that hadn't left me very much either, as you can tell by the way I talk. But I lived in Northwest Arkansas uh, since we moved up there in 1986, and I was a businessman, 35 years. But I was also, uh, I really had a, somewhat of a call in me to, uh, to reach out to other people. And there, there was something there. I, I think it, it had a lot to do with my own discoveries that I was looking for, for myself. But there was something that always told me that I needed to reach out to somebody else to even help myself. And so I began doing that when I was 35 years old. And I began looking at different uh, discipleship curriculums out there. Most, most of them were program-driven. And I wouldn't say that they were bad. They, they had the, a lot of the disciplines in them, like scripture memory and uh, a study of the Word and uh, accountability, especially horizontal accountability. And I, I led a lot of people through groups like that. But uh, what was disappointing, I didn't see... Once we didn't have the accountability anymore, I didn't see the continued pursuit of Christ. The passion was no longer there. And I've been inquiring. I was inquiring to the Lord, saying, what's, what's going on here? I'm missing something, and I, I don't know what it is. And, you know, He speaks to us if we really seek Him and listen. And He spoke to my heart, and here's what He said, because it was not only applying to the people that I was working with, but my own life as well. He said, you cannot change people outside in. It has to be an inside out. It has to be a transformation that occurs inside out. And the mission is to get somebody connected to my heart. Because if they're connected to me, heart to heart, then the disciplines will gladly follow. But if you try to go outside in, you'll create a Pharisee. You'll create a legalist, and it won't work. And, and then it was reinforced, Brian, when I, in 1985, read John 15 uh, in such a way that uh, I applied it to my life, and I applied it to my own struggle because I had been really trying to do my best. I mean, I was really giving it my best shot, but it just seemed like it didn't, didn't work out. There's so much struggles that went along with it. And I read John 15, and it said, Rocky, abide in me, and you will bear fruit. But apart from me, you will not bear fruit. And as you know, what we do is we take the thought and we make application, right? And it was like this. Lord, I see what I'm doing wrong. I'm trying to bear the fruit rather than abide. And if I will abide, then you promise that the fruit will follow. And that was, that was, that was the truth that I was needing that changed me. Well, Link, can I back up for just a little bit and, yeah. and let them know if they don't know that you were a high-level athlete, you, you know, which not everybody's a high-level athlete. You played at Ole Miss football and baseball. Yeah. Um, 
And so it's easy to be performance oriented when you're an athlete, yeah. a, a big athlete, because that's what you're wired or programmed to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Does that make it even more difficult? To well, this? yeah. I'm growing up in the church too, uh, Southern Baptist, I'm not, not faulting them. It's just that, you know, I, my, uh, my thought about God is that he's a, he's pretty hard, you know, that he's wanting to, he knows I'm in trouble, but he really wants to punish me for it. <laughs> And you operate kind of like uh, trying to manage sin the best you can. And I was failing. But, you know, the, the, the <laughs> Satan is called the accuser for a reason. And, and the reason why is he accuses. And so he, he was accusing me for a long time because as a person who professed to know Christ, and I really do think I, I knew him. I, I, no, let me say this. I knew of him. Uh, and what I knew about him, I worshipped him, but I didn't know him. There was something missing there, something uh, very important that was missing because if we don't know him, we really don't know who we are to him. And so what uh, happened is that um, I began to go through my own struggles with the accuser as he was convincing me of trying to, that I was unworthy of God's love. I couldn't be, I couldn't be forgiven. I mean, I had too much darkness in my life to do that. And then it was in the darkest hour, and they call that, I think, the dark night of the soul, right? Mm -hmm. Is that God began to break through and teach me about grace. Mm -hmm. And how grace was the deliverer from the accuser. Uh, to it, it, the grace and, and, and God's forgiveness, uh, complete forgiveness is, is the thing that will turn us toward him and began to move our heart toward him. And it was in that uh, epiphany of realizing that, that God began to walk me toward him. And when I began to understand the dots that were connected, uh, realizing that I was frustrating, I was frustrating myself actually, that I was not able to produce the things I wanted to do, even though I was trying to, I couldn't do it. And then when I finally saw the dynamics that we can't do that, we're not capable of doing the things that God wants us to do without him. Amen. And then when I saw that and I began turning my eyes toward him rather than my efforts, the strange thing happened is that the fruit began to fall real big, <laughs> really good, Amen. really good. And I, I think that a lot of the people here understand what that fruit looks like, but we could probably discuss that later, but that's kind of the deal. <laughs> well, and uh, you did have a brief stint where you kind of thought, well, in order to be the real deal, I got to go into full-time ministry. I got to yeah. go, I got to sell everything and go out to California and go in full-time ministry. Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all say, you know, I'm, I'm just really Bush League here. If I'm going to be really something for God, then I got to. I got to go all in, right? And the, so we start thinking full-time ministry most of the time. And it's interesting because I, I look back and at 35 years old, I, I had kind of a vague vision, a vague vision. And then and Oswald Chambers says that in my utmost highest, for his highest, that, that we're at our mountaintop experiences, we oftentimes see a vague vision. God gives us a, reveals to us a vague, cloudy vision of the man that we will one day be. And then he takes us down from the mountain into the desert and he beats us up. <laughs> and he pounds us. And he reshapes us for the man of the vision. And then he takes us to it. Yeah. And he revealed to me at 35 years old a vague vision of where I would be right now. Uh, and, you know, again, there, <laughs> I was the most unlikely. And there was a lot of reshaping that God had to do, and that's what He does. That's the discipline of the Lord. He's He's our coach. And and so what happened is that uh, I, oftentimes I think we try to make it happen ourselves rather than letting God lead us, right? And I did that. Forty years old, went to California, left my business that had been in for fifteen years, took a faith step, and I got out there and I was doing the stuff that I wanted to do, living the dream, Brian. But it wasn't right. And, and what I came to understand is that I had been called to ministry as 
we often are, but I was not yet equipped, nor was I activated. And so the next several years, this understanding of John 15, how it applied to my life, began to reshape me and then uh, remake me. And, and it, was, it was tough. There were some real breaking times. I have had 22 surgeries now. That's part of that. And I, I notice you, I, I guess you see I walk with a limp, and I've been wrestling with the Lord, what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, it's interesting because at 55 years old, he activated me. And, uh, and now we've been going at this. Uh, my wife and I since uh, uh, 2001, and uh, and I will tell you that the critical phases of my life during the difficult times prior to being activated actually forged me to do what I'm doing. Mm. Mm. And you know the, the the thing about it, Brian, is that God use, uses ordinary people extraordinary ways, and I think it's the more, most ordinary peoples that are used the most, because we're approachable. Uh, people see us and understand that the ordinary guy. And if that can happen to you, then tell me what the secret is. And and that's what I've been doing since influencers began. I've been sharing the secret. Amen about our life, how it can be transformed. And the discipleship process that God uses is not outside in. It's not about gathering information. It's about delivering our heart to Him so that He can break it and remake it and give us a new heart and be a man after His own heart. And so He took this ordinary man and He invited me to come close to Him and help reach other people and show them what he was showing me. And that's how influencers began. And let, let's talk about that first group. Uh, so you, God was showing you a bunch of stuff and you finally felt like it was time for you to share with others. Yeah. And so you, you said, I'm going to form a group. So you didn't even know it was going to be called the journey. That was later, no. I think. So talk about that, how you, how you invited the guys and what that first experience was like. Yeah. And, and I've had people ask me, did I ever envision that we would see influencers here or me doing what? And no, I never did envision it. I, I never have. I'm not a visionary in building a ministry. I did not say I'm going to build a ministry. I did not say I was going to become a writer. That just happened. Uh, but what I was doing is I was doing that which disciples do. You see, when a, a disciple is discipled by the Lord, then a disciple makes disciples. And so I knew that for my discipleship process to continue to mature, I needed to grab some people and say, hey, help me get there as I help you get there. And that's exactly what I said to these seven men. They were businessmen. Some of them were clients of mine. There were a couple of guys that I had led to Christ. And, uh, and what's so good is a couple, but several of them didn't go to church. So we're starting all over again. We didn't have any lot, lot of bad habits, you know. <laughs> but what happened is they became very, very church-oriented because the, the spirit in them started uh, kept causing them to fall in love with Jesus mm. and, and with the body of Christ. And so I, I met with them and I said, uh, look, here's the deal. There's, uh, there's more of God that I need and there's more of me that He wants. And I think that it's going to be found in this John 15 passage about abiding in Him, and so I want to ask you: Would you would you meet with me every two hour, uh, every two weeks for two hours, and let's explore that? And I'll help you get there if you will help me get there. So they committed to doing that, and so every two weeks we would meet, and between when we would meet, God downloaded to me the journey that we have right now, and. Uh, and so after a year, that which is evident when we do the journey as God inspires it, it creates life transformation. And so we were all transformed. Now, at that particular point, I was just going to start another study. I was just going to get a few more people and do it. You know, I wasn't any great visionary. But you see, what we've, we've seen here with this thing is that it's an organism. 
Now, if it were an organization, then it would be up to me to go start a new group, right? But if it's an organism, it's going to start on its own. It's going to expand on its own. And that's what it did. It, these guys came to me, and I was saying, adios, I see you. Glad you had a good year. <laughs> and they said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Now, hold on. That we think that this needs to get out there, and we want you to help us. Give us your notes so that we can begin building our groups. And I did, and that forced me now to write it so it was user-friendly, and it's taken about 15 years to get it to the point where it is right now. <laughs> but it's the same stuff, same stuff that was, came out in 2021. And, uh, and so it, it did begin uh, a reproduction process. They began to reach out to their friends, building groups, following the sim similar pattern, and we started seeing the same transformed lives. It was reproducible. And it's interesting, my church uh, pastor said when, when these guys were talking about the journey and how it was really so good in their life and everything, and they said, okay, come on now. Is this just, uh, is it really happening or is it you know, Rocky's gift of teaching? And he said, I mean, is it reproducible? That was the word. And my answer was to them was this, look, let me tell you, all I know is this. And that is, if we abide in Jesus, we will bear fruit. And that's reproducible. And that's all we're trying to do. <laughs> and now, there are tens of thousands of people now that have gone through the journey. In different countries, uh, different languages, different cultures. And there's one thing that's consistent, and that is, people are falling in love with Jesus. Amen and they're knowing that he loves them. And that's, that's the thing that's changing lives right there. Well, and, and uh, you said that you were writing the curriculum as you went along. So yeah. the Holy Spirit was kind of revealing the next step and, and then you'd give it to the guys. And then two weeks later, they, you'd have some more. And, yeah. and it just, it, that was the curriculum being written. The same manual you guys use was being written that first year. And, uh, but then you decided you wanted to write some creative stories. Let's talk about why, why did you do that or and how did that evolve? Well, uh, the first book I wrote was The Prayer Cottage in the Sacred Garden. And it's a little hardback copy version that y'all use for your first extended prayer that you have in the journey. And I wrote that to that group. Uh, we were having our commencement. We were getting away. And to that point, we'd not had an extended time of prayer. They didn't really know about that. These were busy businessmen. And like most people like that, they don't know how to have an extended time of prayer. They just you know, say, we're going to get away for three hours, and all of a sudden these eyes are like deer. <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> and, uh, and so I knew in my own life that, that uh, extended time of prayer uh, was very, very special, but it, it needed to be organized in such a way that we get our random thoughts, you know, blocked. And so the prayer cottage was the, written for those men, to be used for that first extended time of prayer. And so, as it had been on the other things, is that when they came back, they, 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 their eyes were like glazed over with something that they'd never had before. And they said, that three hours was the fastest they've ever had. <laughs> yeah, I see y'all saying that too. <laughs> And, uh, and then the next thing they said, have you considered publishing it? No. I mean, no. Well, you should. And I said, well, okay. So I, I, I gave it to a man who, who did have some books, and he was well-known. And I said, I know it's, I'm asking you a big thing, but it's a little book. <laughs> Would you read it and tell me if, it, if we ought to consider publishing it? And, and he read it, and he said, yeah. Yeah, I think you should. And so I went to another guy in, in Charlotte, and I said, look, I'm just really wanting, I don't want to waste time here, but do you think it needs to be written, I mean published? He said, yeah. So that was the first book. I had to self-publish. I had to pay for it, about $30,000. Wow. But uh, then I donated the books to influencers, and it began to be the, uh, the seed, seed for the, the future books that would be published in Influencers. 
and the next one was Journey to the Inner Chamber. Yep. And I wrote Journey to the Inner Chamber to be an introduction to the journey. The journey's always been my main thing. I mean, that's that's the most important work that I've ever done. Is is because it's not about reading a book; it's about walking with Jesus. The books are simply to try to open your mind and your 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 creative juices about what it looks like, and that's what's different with the the allegories that are written, the, all the books, and and the journey itself. It's trying to tap in to that that place in your heart that's looking for a hidden treasure, and it, and by masking it behind a, a creative story with real life people. And it, and it coming into some dynamics that we have in real life, it, it creates a spiritual epiphany that begins to open us up to, yes, maybe, maybe I am willing to take this next step. And so uh, that book uh, was incorporated within the curriculum and then we eventually took it out of the curriculum so it could be sold separately. And, uh, and it's been pretty successful book yeah yeah that's that's when gabe was born and that yeah. was around 2004 Four. yeah that's right so yeah and then there's been there's been a few others as you all know and and uh gabe's now well known and well loved all, all over the in places we never would have thought we were telling the people last night that we were in egypt and they were talking about gabby and we're like, who's Gabby? <laughs> I didn't write Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> but he was Gabby in, in Arabic, I guess, whatever. So, but anyway, so this whole thing is just uh, has grown and expanded. And, you know, at first, Rocky, you thought maybe this is just for Southern businessmen types. You like, think, right? Yeah. I mean, who would want to hear me otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> well, the first test market was California, right? Yeah. Beyond it, the it, South. Yeah, I jumped out of California and... Now that's a different country. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that that might be our first international campaign. <laughs> I better not have that on. <laughs> You're get in trouble. I'm, I'm already in trouble now. But no, it it uh, it, it really uh, it jumped over there, and it was you know it was resonating their hearts, and and all of a sudden I'm seeing that. Well, this is it's not something I wrote. This is something God wrote, and it's appealing to the core values or the core needs. Let me put that: the core needs of people. And the reason that reinforces because it did go to Egypt, and we went over there and rolled it out, and we met with thirty-seven uh, Christian businessmen and professionals for the rollout, and. Uh, and we had them read it ahead of time, and we had them take the prayer cottage and have an extended time of prayer, and we watched it, and we saw the same responses. I mean, the same responses that had been happening back here was happening with these Egyptian men. In Arabic, it's, it's really a lot different from our Western world, believe me. And then uh, the next step was down into uh, Brazil. It was translated in Portugal and went down there with Frank Leal. And, and the same thing. I mean, it was just that same core appeal. Can I make a comment on the Egypt trip? You know, we had been trying for three days to explain abiding, to explain the inner chamber. And they, they were thinking of it as an actual room, you know, in their house or something, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I mean, we felt like we we're maybe making a few breakthroughs here and there, but it wasn't until... We gave them that book, Prayer Cogents, Turn Them Loose. Then they then they tasted it. They they experienced it. Then they came back and Rocky, through translation, we said they told the translator, tell them, don't talk to us, talk to each other. You tell each other what you experienced. And then he was translating to us what they were saying to each other. That's when they started getting transparent, talking about issues of unforgiveness and and there were tears. We're like, okay, this resonates. So yeah, yeah that was powerful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, we've been from there. It's just been moving on and to different countries and different parts of the country, too. And and uh, I would say, uh, you know what? I want to say this. The thing that I've as I got to know Rocky and I started getting involved as a volunteer with the ministry, um, the thing that I was impressed with was. Rocky wanted to run the ministry, the, the business side of the ministry the same thing we practice what we preach so we don't we don't talk about abiding and that's the key and then go act like we're going to be in control of running the ministry yeah it's it's no it's the same 
as we ask God, where do you want us to go? You know, Rocky and I both were in sales. So if we were in our sales, we would be targeting the largest demographic areas, the largest churches. We'd be putting together a fancy presentation, trying to get appointments with senior pastors. It wouldn't work, first of all. <laughs> but rather, Rocky's always said we go where we're invited. Holy Spirit, where do you want to take us? Lord, would you raise up champions to help us. Yeah. You know, Brian, I, I, I have been on elder boards of churches, deacon boards of churches, business boards. I mean, I've, I've been on uh, ministry boards. And, and honestly, uh, it, it, the appeal to most of those is to, is to get successful business people on those boards because they think if they're successful in their business that they'll help their ministries be successful. But uh, I didn't see that because I, what I started seeing is ministries began looking like businesses. Wow. And, you know, I've always been uh, opposed to the concept of a church becoming uh, institutionalized uh, and, a, and, a, and a pastor becoming a CEO. That I feel like that it's important for us to always recognize that we are members of the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ, and we are an organism. And so, this was an opportunity now to to do it, in my opinion, right. So, now keep in mind that in Northwest Arkansas, we have a lot of wealth there, and a lot of successful people, and some of those had come through the journey. These were people that had come to fall in love with Jesus. And so as a, as a, a ministry that's starting a, a 501c3, we have, our, have to have a board. Uh, and so I was pulling together the board and these were those early pioneers, very successful businessmen. And uh, as we had our first meeting and I started trying to establish you know, our mission and what we're trying to do. Actually, I wasn't trying to do it, I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> I was trying to listen to the Lord and I knew it had to be different. There's something that we just didn't want to fall in that trap again, you know. And and so I watched this. It's just a dynamic. If you're not careful, you'll see it. I mean, you'll see it if you watch for it. And if you're not careful, you'll follow it. But I watched these guys. When, when we were talking about Jesus, their eyes were lit up. But when we started talking about building a ministry, they got a hat on that said, Mr. Businessman. Yeah. <laughs> And I watched them and their eyes glazed over like, okay, now let's do what I know how to do. And let me tell you, when you're building a ministry, you don't want to do what you know how to do. Right? right? <laughs> you want to build something that he knows how to do and you listen to him. And so the first thing I had to do was to say to these friends and early on pioneers, Thank you for coming, but you're fired. <laughs> We're not building a ministry like this. Don't want you here because you're a successful businessman. Want you here because you're a godly man. That you walk with Jesus and you know how to help other people walk with Jesus. And we established that right up front. That's called our DNA. And we fiercely protect it. It's the same way now. So we got a global board, and, and I will tell you this, all of our global board and our regional boards and our staff are home-raised. Every one of us have come through the journey, have learned to fall in love with Jesus, know what we are, know who we are, know why we are. And because we know those things, we know how to reach people and show them the way. But what we have to do is, as a global board, we always have to protect our souls. And it's and it's and they know it's coming. We gather around. I started it early. The first thing I ask them is, "How's your soul?" <laughs> and don't lie, <laughs> because you see, if your soul's not right, how can you lead? And if your soul's not right, what is the first thing we need to do? Hmm. We get it right. Hmm. And the the thing about our gracious God, we're a confession away. He wants us to come. He wants us to get it downloaded. He wants to restore us. He wants a ministry to depend on Him like that. And I truly believe Influencers is anointed because we're trying to do it that way. That way. We're trying to follow His leadership. 
And, um, and we have seen him do mighty things. Amen. Yeah, I'm glad we talked on about that because this is a developing region here and we want all our regions to operate the same way. You know, that shouldn't be any different around the country. So, hey, I'm going to let Mike Hearn, I think, take any questions. He's going to be the roving. Are you going to be the roving microphone guy or whatever? So uh, in case anybody had any questions. Yes. Well, it's okay. I mean, I, is there anything else you want to talk about? I just thought we might. Anything else? Uh, yeah, how much you weigh now? <laughs> Lost no, a little I'm bit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Gained it back. No, uh, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they'll have some questions, and we can reserve that time and yeah, and try to answer yeah. those. Yeah. So if anyone has any questions, Mike's gonna. Uh, Hold the mic and let you ask your question or whatever. Mike, so, hold Mike. <laughs> Mike will hold the mic. So any questions for, for Rocky about the ministry, about anything about the journey, anything? I was curious. Uh, you mentioned that for 20 years you were being formed by the Lord. Yeah. Was any of that in writing? Did you were you writing books then? No, no, I was writing journals. I have I have a journal. I have journals every. Uh, I'd say ninety percent of my life since thirty five years old. Every day, getting up and and journaling, and the journals are generally looking at scriptures. But then sometimes I'm just processing. So that was all new. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, uh, Jeff, honestly, I people ask me a lot of stuff about what happened, and it's kind of a it's kind of surreal. Yeah. You know, I, I, all of a sudden I'm here, and you know, I'm still the kid from Mississippi, but now I'm I'm in front of you guys, <laughs> so it's kind of surreal. Hey, how you doing, Rocky Man? Thank you so much for coming out. Man. Yes, sir. I got a question, man. Uh, What's the most thankful thing that you've had come out your book that you've written, uh, Journey to the Entertainment? What's, the, what's your key point that you've created worldwide with this book? Um, I want to, would you repeat that to me? Like what, what has been the, like the biggest blessing out of writing Journey to the Chamber that are something you're thankful for? Is that right? I'm looking at it. <laughs> I mean, just seeing the lives change, and it, 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 people tell me, you know, what it's meant to them, and and it's like like thanking me. But I don't own that. I don't take that. You know, I, I just feel like I'm just applauding Jesus and what He's done. But the greatest thing is to be able to see what He's doing in your lives. That's the thing that that just really wakes me up, keeps me going. You know, I'm 78 years old, and a lot of times people kind of start thinking and slowing down, but no way. You know, we got a, a stewardship of our life. We got a stewardship of our time. I was asking Boone today, Boone, do you ever see yourself retiring? He said, Well, maybe from some things, but not from doing journey, <laughs> because I want to make disciples. And I, and, I, and I think that's what's happening with the, the influencer community. We began to understand the lifetime commitment that we have to make disciples to honor Jesus and to walk with him. And, and, and that's, it's been the greatest treasure of my life just to be able to do that. Now, the books, it's fun writing books when you get really kind of tuned in with the Lord. And, and, it's, it's, and I do feel like he gives me somewhat of a, a moving picture of what I'm seeing in there and I try to describe it and then it folds into the theology and the theology is it it's always important it's always important to have these allegories present the gospel in a creative way that it creates life change that's my mission my books have been written to marginalized Christians and when I say marginalized Christians I'm talking about people that are on the margin that call themselves Christians and maybe really are Christians, but they approach Christ as a religion rather than the relationship. Yeah. And so my book, my books have always been written toward trying to awaken the church, to awaken the, the believer to understand that this intimate relationship with Jesus is not only life changing, it's what they long for. They might not know it, but they long for it. Question? I understand that uh, 
some of your books, or maybe all your books, are audible. Um, how how would how would you get a hold of that? Well, you go to Audible, and it's it's a uh, Kindle Books, uh, Audible, uh, Amazon has it, and uh, you can get it online, and you can buy it that way. And the, the the not all of them are, but all of the books on the curriculum are, and the Compelled by Grace uh, is a book that that I, I've been wanting not to have to do, but this guy's been making me do it. So I think next week or week after next, I'm going to do the arduous task of trying to, to do a book again. It's hard. Believe it or not, it's harder than writing a book. <laughs> I'm curious, uh, my introduction to the journal started here in the men's encounters group and then followed up by a six-week intro to the journey and then the journey program in the nine months. But I'm curious, is that a, a method that you're following other places or does it uh, start differently? Mm -hmm. Well, what you're talking about is an on-ramp. And, and we have a lot of different on-ramps. Why don't you share with them some of the on-ramps that you're seeing? Yeah, every uh, every region has their own culture and their own thing, events that happen. Uh, there's an event called Solely Business that's like a men's encounter that started in Atlanta and now is out in California and North Carolina, and that's become an on-ramp for journey groups. Um, sometimes churches do big events uh, for their men's group as an on-ramp for the journey, and, and they'll do a big barbecue and all that. So it looks different everywhere. Um, but... Uh, it's what Rocky always says is, you know, listen, when you're doing the journey, try to stick to the process and follow it. But all the other stuff can be creative and, and you can flex your form and how you how you get people to get in groups. You, that, can, that can be as, as creative as you want. So yeah. and may I just say this is that we really try to protect the DNA of the journey. And and DNA is non-negotiable, but form is, you know, we can negotiate with form. Uh, when I first did it, it was every two weeks for two hours, and then it went to every week for an hour. That's okay. Then it went from men to women to couples to, and and when you get into Africa, believe me, it's a different culture over there. So you have to let the, you know, these people do it the way they see fit to do it. We're having a Rwandan translation now, working on that now. And we have Rwandan, very intelligent, English-speaking Af Africans that went through the journey. Now they're taking it to their tribal people. And when you go into different cultures, you have to flex for the culture. And so we're not going to be rigid in that, but we want to hold true to the DNA. And what is the DNA? What is the rule number one? Huh? Bide. Our mission is to help people learn how to bide with Christ. Yes, sir. Rocky, you're a great storyteller, and uh, I wanted to maybe ask a two-part question. Number one, how did you settle on the medieval castle knight allegory? And secondly, is Gabe based on somebody you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know I, about <laughs> the castle thing. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think when I began doing I knew that there was a spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes. I believe that. I believe that it, it is very much, uh, in many ways, hand-to-hand -hand combat with angels and against forces that are coming at us. Uh, we read about spiritual uh, weaponry that we're given, for divinely powerful weapons for the destruction of fortresses. And, and, and I read things like when Paul's talking about helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, and shod your feet with truth, and shield of faith, and and then when I read about the shield of faith is a is a basically a metaphor for Christ standing between us and the in the heirs of the enemy. Shield of faith. And so the creative aspect of me began to see that as a as a storyline there with the castles and the knights and all that. Also, the Lord had given me somewhat of a a precursor to this with the knight deal. I had a man that that uh, cheated me out of a large sum of money in a building project, and uh, and in my old days I, that was not something you'd want to do with me, and uh, and yet I was growing in Christ, and and you know when you get cheated, uh, 
there's something he says about it. Somebody wants your coat, you give him your shirt too. And, and I was struggling with that. Because the house that I was building, I wanted to, to be a good steward of it. And I hired the guy to, you know, help me to be a good steward of it. And he, and he betrayed that and cost me a lot of money. And so I was struggling with that. And I, was, I never forget, I was on the porch of my house there. And I was pray, crying out. And I said, Lord, I wanted to be a good steward. I didn't want to have to pay all this extra money. I, didn't, I was trying not to do that. And the man betrayed me. And now I've got to pay a lot of money here. But I could... I could walk away from him. I could sue him. And I felt the Lord, the Lord say to me, I want you to be my champion. And the first thing I thought about were these medieval knights that, you know, the, in England they had the different uh, lords and kingdoms, and they would have games with their other knights. And they were friendly games, uh, jousting and swordplay and all that. And they would wear the colors of their king. They would represent their king. And if their king was a gracious king, that they'd have a gracious knight. His ruthless king, ruthless knight, right? Reflection of the king. And the first thing I thought of was that the Lord was saying, I want you to be my champion. And that's the, the imagery that came to me. He was saying, I want you to be my knight. And, and he said, I want you to reflect me. I said, well, what is that? He says, I want you to always be just, but never demand it for yourself. I want you to be merciful because you would be a man after my own heart. And I want you to be gracious because that's me working through your life. And I realized that what he was saying is that in this situation, he wanted me to reflect him. So I forgave the man. It cost me a lot of money, but about two or three months later, the Lord said this to me. You know, money's nothing for me. You know, no, it's nothing. The hardest thing I have is getting a heart. And if you give me your heart and trust me in this, I'll make it up to you. And two months later, I had a big case, and it was all that. It was reimbursed. And that's what he's been doing me. He's been teaching me through life examples and things like that to come, come to this visualization of how to write and Gabe is one of them because I, I feel like Gabe is is an example of of somebody who is not known as a power broker. He's not known as an influential person. He's not political. He doesn't have a lot of money. He doesn't have the things that most people think you have to have to be political or be influential. But we know that in the story of Gabe, he was extremely fluent, influential. Well, where do I get the character of Gabe? Jesus. He wasn't regarded as an influential person. He didn't have wealth. He divided his garment when he was killed. And Jesus showed his disciples the same thing. And I, and I was looking at the heroes of the faith. I didn't see the the celebrities. I saw the people that are faithful. Grandmothers, mothers, fathers. People that are authentic. And God gave me the character of Gabe because He said, I want you to have a man that represents what it looks like to walk with me and the influence he'll have, but I don't want him to have the trappings that the world thinks he needs to have. And I've known some people like Gabe. Uh, I hope to be one like him. And I think that the thing, the reason he's so beloved, Jeff, is because I think that uh, people think that maybe Gabe could become real in their life. And that's what we're trying to do with the journey is help Gabe come alive in you. So I got a question. How was the spiritual warfare that you went through on this and how did you overcome it? Yeah. Well, you have to take authority over it, don't you, Brian? You know, we're given authority over the over the enemy. Now, Jesus said that I've given you authority. I have authority over heaven and earth, and I give you authority over it. Uh, learning to fight uh, the spiritual warfare. We can't be timid. Uh, we should not be, but we need to be respectful. Uh, we we got to not take ourselves into places where we get tempted. 
you know, we, we need to learn how to stay away from those things that will drag us into it. Um, the warfare is here. It's all around us, but we don't we don't focus a lot of our time on it. You know, if we if we focus too much of our time on Satan, then we're not going to focus our eyes on Jesus. And so, if we focus eyes on Jesus and 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 go to Him, then He'll cover our back. And that's kind of the way I approach it. Mm. Brian, do you agree with that? Well, I was going to say uh, just just a, a week ago or so, I was kind of feeling some burdens, and I think a lot of those burdens come from the enemy. You know, he's trying to always trying to discourage us, always trying to get us off track. And God put uh, has God ever put a verse in front of you more than once, like like three times in one week? And you know, the first time I'm going, this is good, and then the second time, well, maybe I should listen. Then the third time, okay, God, all right. Um, anyway, it was it was uh, Matthew 11. Come to me. You who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And it's like he doesn't want us walking around burdened. He wants to take those burdens so we can have a... It's not that we won't have burdens or have trials, but he wants this, this life to be joyful. You know, there's too many defeated, grumpy Christians out there. You know, we, he wants us to walk victoriously and enjoy. So anyway, that was an example. Where I felt like I won. I won a battle because I came to Jesus. So to what you said. Yeah. So my question is, uh, can you share what the uh, influential uh, movie deals about? The movie. OK, go ahead, Brian. Well, um, yeah, so for years we've had uh, people love the story of Gabe and love Journey to the Inner Chamber, and many people have gotten caught up in it and visualized it, you know, and they see it, and they said, gosh, this would make a great movie. And, you know, again, we're Rocky didn't even, wasn't even sure we were a ministry. We're definitely not movie makers, you know. Um, and so uh, anyway, but, but we pursued it a few times and just had a few conversations. It never really felt right. But, but uh, oddly enough, uh, there was a Nigerian filmmaker that was in a, a, one of our virtual journey groups, and he's actually made some films that are on Netflix and all that. He's, he's a, a young guy, real creative guy, and he, he was one of the guys saying, oh, you got to do it, you got to do it. And he gave us a little presentation of what he thought it could look like, and it really caught our interest in a new way and, and sparked us to kind of look at it a little more seriously. And so uh, we formed a team, and actually the first thing we did is we prayed. We prayed for the first few months. Six weeks, yeah. And just said, Lord, what are we doing here? Is this some, Is this you? Or you know, I, I always like to say there's there's a lot of good ideas out there, and then there's God ideas. We got to work through the good ideas to get to the God ideas, right? And uh, so is this just a good idea or a God idea? And we came to the conclusion it was a God idea this time. And every time we've asked God to, to pull the plug, he's just brought more people to help us with it. So we're uh, engaging in uh, getting a screenwriter, get, hiring a production company that, to turn Rockies during the chamber into a, a major motion picture. That And be praying with us about that because we don't... We're getting in some new territory here. We don't do not want to get away from our calling and our mission, which is to make disciples and use a journey. We're not about to get away from that. As a matter of fact, what we hope is the movie is going to open doors into hundreds of thousands more people than we've ever reached uh, that are going to find out about this little ministry. And so we're going to need you, your prayers. We're going to need you all to guide people when they go see the movie and they want to go through the journey. And they're going to need someone to guide them. We're going to need you all. So start praying now. But uh, this is exciting. It'll be a, probably a two to three year process. We don't know, but uh, it's pretty exciting. So it's, it's happening. So go ahead. I keep hearing the words pray. So we pray a whole bunch and we also pray in community. Uh, sometimes you guys do that on Tuesday mornings, I, I understand. Um, and anybody from Kansas is allowed to join that Zoom and pray with you guys? Is that, is that true? Do we have a guy true. back there that does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, if you go to our if you go to our website, influencers.org, uh, you can find a link to the Tuesday prayer call. And you have to register for security reasons so you can get your own unique login into the deal but it's every tuesday morning 6 15 to 7 15 anyone's welcome men and women and it's just a time somebody gives a little nugget uh of truth and then we just pray as the lord leads and people type their prayer requests in the chat and we'll be praying about the movie and we're gonna be we do this every tuesday so you all are all welcome and if you're not on our email list be sure you get on the email list because we put out announcements about 
movies, podcasts, blogs. Rocky writes a blog. I write some blogs. Uh, there's some great content out there. So, yeah. I just have a real quick question. What's one of the furthest places that this has reached that you're really surprised by? Like you mentioned, you know, Africa. It's like one of the weirdest places that it's reached. California. <laughs> <laughs> California, South America. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, uh, you know, I just think it's, uh, again, if we were strategizing and all that, we wouldn't have probably picked Rwanda. You know, I mean, that was uh, a guy that was worked for Walmart in our area, was from a native from Cameroon, Africa, and he had a pastor friend from a neighboring country in, in uh, Rwanda, and they did a virtual group and invited some of the Rwanda guys into it, whatever, and then they fell in love with it and wanted to bring it to their people, you know, so... We don't plan these things. The Holy Spirit does it. And that same person translated, since it's Cameroon and it's French, translated the curriculum into French. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we have a Russian translation from a few of the books that Russians in uh, California, right, mm -hmm. that uh, they had a community there. They wanted to make it available. And we, and we release it. And, and honestly, that's our, our perspective and attitude is if you have people in different cultures or different languages that they, they, they want it there, then okay, well, yeah. And and we'll leave the royalties with them so it'll support their uh, their ministry there, their missionary ministry. And so, you know, we're, we're all into supporting the expansion. Yeah, it, what's funny is just stuff happens like someone will send us a, a copy of, of one of the books in another language, like they just did it on their own, you know, and then they had it, you know, people just get so inspired, you know, and so we're trying to figure out a way to do that, you know, professionally, so that are good translations and all that. It's a big undertaking. So, uh, but uh, we do, we're about to have Spanish, all the books and the whole curriculum in a really good translation of Spanish that'll go all different countries and dialects. Uh, and we're going to print uh, like a thousand copies of each for shipment in the U.S. And we're going to be shipping them out in uh, Costa Rica and Latin America. So. And that was translated in Costa Rica. Yeah. yeah. yeah so actually a joint uh, enterprise, Costa Rica and South America. Yeah, it's blowing up in Latin America right now. So it's re really exciting. Okay, well, I got to do my sign off here. Yeah, I got to sign us off. So, uh, hey, this has been a live uh, podcast from Wichita, Kansas. Another shout out for Wichita. All right. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this. My name is Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.